Hey everybody, it's Matt. I've got a bit of a confession for you. I am not in a great place in my life. Don't get me wrong, there's plenty of great things going on. Marianne is amazing. I have a great book manuscript. There are good things going on. I'm physically still healthy. But deep down inside of me, I have a real existential crisis. There's a lot of anxiety. There's some depression. There's there's even a fairer to middling amount of rage. It's impacting the way I work and, and even my ability to leave the house. So I have to address that. I have to dive deep. So to start this episode out, I wanted to talk to you without the pre-written script that I usually use with no notes and just tell you two things about where the podcast is going forward. First, the podcast is continuing. It is. We're not canceling. I'm not getting rid of it. In fact, you're getting a full episode as you listen to this. It's going to be a long intro, but it's still a full episode, and I hope you enjoy it. I don't want to stop doing it. I still really like doing the podcast. So for the time being, we're going to keep going. One day that may change, and one day I may stop it, but today is not that day. So if you were holding your breath going, oh, God, it's finally coming. He's canceling the podcast. You can relax. I'm not. Two, the story that we talked about telling on the last podcast about how I became a worse writer. We're not telling that story. At least not now. We may revisit it, but we're going to stop it because I'm not sure it does well for me in the mental state that I'm in. I'm not sure looking at things that way really helps me. And frankly, when I conceived the idea and started it, I've kind of gone through a mass acceleration of other factors that have made the end of that story very different. And it's kind of happening right now. So rather than try to tell the story from the middle of it, we're going to go ahead and walk away from it. So I'm sure by now you're wondering if we're going to have a full podcast episode, Matt, and you're not telling that story, then what the hell are we getting? Good question. You're getting the greatest hits album. I've always had a private joke when talking to people about my greatest hits album. It's usually a collection of essays and poems and stories that maybe other people liked. I definitely liked all of them. And so I always reference going back to my greatest hits. They're things I'm familiar with that I enjoyed writing. We're going to go back to my greatest hits for a little while. Not podcast episodes. These are essays and pieces that I've written and published on various online platforms or maybe even stuff that never made it to a publication platform. And I'm just going to read them to you. So, for example, today's episode involves me reading a piece I wrote in 2021 on Medium. Now, that may be a piece that you want to read. It may be a piece that you've already read or it may be a piece that you click the little robot voice icon on Medium that has an Android read it to you. But this is going to be me reading it. Different ones will come up over the weeks, and sometimes I'll add some context in these intros, and sometimes I won't. Maybe I've changed my mind on something or amended an idea. I don't know. It's going to be fun to dig through and unpack the special features of Matt Hampton's Greatest Hits album. That's what we're going to do. So, without dragging this way longer than it needs to be, which I kind of feel like I already have, we're going to go ahead and cut the intro here. We're going to play that intro music. And we're going to kick things off with track one of Confessions of a Working Writer Presents, Matt Hampton's Greatest Hits. Mm -hmm. 
I'm tired of writers who don't read. About a year ago, I met another copywriter who bragged on how they weren't much of a reader. Their writing, so they told me, came from an innate talent that didn't require any real study. My fellow copywriter spoke with such confidence that I was honestly intrigued. Writing for me has been a lifelong journey of practice and hard work. I was honestly curious about how someone could do this thing without all of the effort, so I went to read their stuff. Websites, blogs, some small ebooks for their agency, all of that scrolled before my eyes. Aside from typos and other errors, which are the mark of a lack of an editorial process more than anything, the pieces were bland. All I was seeing was the replication of someone else's work or concepts. Even the language was stale, lacking any kind of voice or identity. To be brutally honest, the work of my naturally talented colleague was terrible. Writers who don't read are essentially chefs who don't eat. You're an artist who has no interest in consuming the art they practice. Think about it. How does a chef learn flavor profiles or experience a new cuisine? Chefs have to eat. They have to love food if they are ever going to fully understand the culinary arts. This is no different for writers. Playwrights who never see or read an assortment of plays end up being repetitive and boring. Novelists who never read novels end up with long, rambling pieces of self-gratification that are mostly meaningless to readers. Copywriters who don't read spend all of their time replicating other companies' copy, creating nothing more than a pale imitation of someone else's work. Don't take my word for it. Just find a writer who's not a reader and ask them if you can see something. The proof's in the work. When a writer reads, we are exploring our craft. We're taking the time to look at how someone else did it. If we are applying ourselves, we're even paying attention to how the techniques in the chosen piece impact us. Maybe we'll even try our hands at applying similar techniques in our style. For a writer, reading is about honing our craft. For a writer who doesn't read, writing is about bragging rights and the egotistical image of the creative who practices the arts. Nothing more. Where does this idea that writers don't have to read come from? Honestly, it comes from a society that values speed and productivity over everything else. Think about it. How many people do you know who are constantly working through Empire State Building-sized mountains of personal development books? Every week they finish one or two of them. Then they quickly hop on social media to pat themselves on the back and move on to the next one. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself how anyone hopes to implement anything in that short period? The truth is they can't. Now, all those newly minted Stoics pounding down books are doing little more than quoting favorite passages. Internally, the philosophy has no benefits for them. They've never really thought about it, which is sort of the key point of philosophy. They don't want to be Stoics. There's no investment in it for them. They want to appear as Stoics and get the credit for being Stoics. For these folks, Stoic is a job title, nothing more. Writer's note, I think the modern obsession with Stoicism is a bit of garbage anyway, so don't think this is my endorsement of the philosophy. It's not. There's better. The same is true of writers who don't read. Writers in this vein want the job title and nothing else. Creative is a word they want to be associated with their identity. So they write. Most of it is passable, some of it's good, but they have no interest in really getting better. All they want is the praise. The work is meaningless to them. It's the adoration they want. And you can't really blame them. I mean, we live in a society that's obsessed with getting things done faster. The overall scope of the achievement only matters when compared to the timeline. 
People love the fictional idea that it only took Mark Zuckerberg two weeks to write the first version of Facebook, even though the platform you know took years of work and hundreds of engineers to build. But they don't like to hear about the two and a half years it took Jonas Salk to create the polio vaccine, or the 18 months it took Newton to write about his famous laws of motion. We like things that are awesome and done fast. Reading takes time. Honing craft takes time. Experimenting and developing your bag of tricks and style? Yeah, it takes time. Honestly, you have to write a lot of crap to get to a place where most people want to give your stuff a look. And even after you hit that point, you will still write some crap. It's going to happen. But the only way you learn to write is to dive into the work of other writers. Well, aside from doing your own. You need to read and absorb what you're saying. Scrap. Your title. If all you want is the title of writer, then I have some solid advice for you. Anybody can give you that title. Hell, in the age of easy self-publishing and a clear roadmap to game ebook sales on Amazon, you can even claim best-selling author with a modicum of effort. And what were you going to do with the title anyway? Put it on your LinkedIn profile? Frame it and hang it in a conspicuous place on your office wall. Look, nobody's validating your title. Just put the damn thing up there, frame it, put it out for everyone to see. Hell, even this entire rant on writers who don't read is honestly kind of meaningless. You can do whatever the hell you want. Call yourself anything. Supreme writer. Author extraordinaire. Magister of wordsmiths. Grand poobah of prose. I don't care. Nobody cares. Your title is just a thing for you to feel good about. So take whichever one you want. It's okay. They won't run out. And hey, if you feel like it's getting stale, you know, just swap it out with a new one every few months. It's just a title. But look, if you're listening to this and thinking, I don't want the title. I want to improve my craft and become a better writer. Then start reading. Tragically, in this writing life, there are no real shortcuts. Only the illusion of them. And you can waste a lifetime. Chasing Illusions. Music